Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Awesome. Well, because Tony's not here to preach this morning, I have, you have the privilege, should I call it that? You get to listen to me this morning and I'm actually going to continue our series that we've started about six weeks ago straight out of context, all right? And I do have some props and I know that it's early in the morning and you're looking at chocolate cake and thinking, hmm, I wouldn't mind that. Well, we'll get to that in a minute, all right? So this morning, we're going to continue our series straight out of context. And this series, we've been looking at some of the misused verses in the Bible. And so some of those verses that we've looked at over these last weeks have been, ask anything in my name. We've looked at do not judge. We t- I talked about plans to prosper you. Andre, please don't send me a text. It's coming up on my uh, notes. Thank you. I don't care if I forgot something. We'll sort it out later. <laughs> we talked about the root of all evil um, and all, I can do all things was what uh, t- we talked about last week with Tony. And this morning, we're going to talk about all things are good. Why don't you say good? No, that's not good. I said, let's say good. good. All things are good. This is one of my uh, favourite uh, scriptures. It's also another very well-known scripture, one you'll hear bandied around quite a bit. But also, not only is it used quite a lot, it's also one of our scriptures that is often used out of context, used, uh, misused. And often it's used in a feeble attempt to try and bring comfort to somebody. And when we're not sure someone's going through a situation and circumstance that we don't like, it's one of those scriptures we just pull out of the archives and we like to brandish it over their situation or circumstance. Or so sometimes we like to use it when we, we're trying to explain the unexplainable. I don't know what to say in this situation. I don't know how to bring um, thought around that. And so we often pull this scripture out. And what we're doing is we're using it out of its context. And um, I want you to imagine, if you can this morning, this scenario. We've got a woman and her name is Mary. And Mary's husband has just died after a long and painful illness. And Mary's good friend, Jenny, has come to see her. And Jenny says to Mary, Mary, I know this has been a hard time for you, but cheer up because all this is for the good. Listen to what Romans 8.28 says. It says that we know all things work together for good for those who love God and have been called according to His purpose. And Mary responds to her friend and she says, Jenny, did you see him die? Did you see the pain that he suffered? Do you know how for the last three months he's laid there with tubes coming out of him, helpless? Do you know that every penny we saved was spent on medical care and now I'm left with a huge debt? Do you know the hole that's been left in my heart after my soulmate has been ripped from me? What do you mean all things work together for good? His pain, his suffering and death were not good. Maybe you're here this morning and perhaps you've been Mary. You've been found yourself in a situation that you are not enjoying circumstances that are not of your choosing. 
and you've had well-meaning friends come up to you and say, don't worry, everything will just work out fine or it'll turn all right out all right in the end, you'll see. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're like Jenny. You've got a friend and she's going through stuff and a situation and you're not really sure what to say and you found yourself saying, you'll see, this is just a blessing in disguise. Just have faith. These things have a way of working out. And I get that given the pain, the sorrow and the anguish that many of us face, it leaves us asking the question, how can Romans 8, 28 be true? And to answer that, we have to say to ourselves, what does Paul mean when he says, God works all things together for good? And to answer that question this morning, we need to look at the context of this scripture. And so what I want to do is I want to remind us of some of the things we've learnt over the last couple of weeks when it comes to interpreting the Bible correctly. So that we can, when we find ourselves in situations like with Mary and Jenny, if we're Mary or we're Jenny, that we can uh, apply this to our life. So what do we need to do when interpreting the Bible correctly is firstly we learnt that we need to know and understand the context. That means who wrote the scripture that we're talking about? To whom was it written? We want to work out what's the major theme that's contained within this passage and what is God trying to say through the author? So we want to know and understand the context. We learnt that we need to interpret scripture with other scriptures. The best way to understand the Bible is with the Bible. What do other verses say about the verse with which we're talking? And then thirdly, we've learnt we need to apply what we've learnt. The Bible is not a book to be studied, but rather a letter to be lived. And I love what one of ministers said. He said, if it's not true everywhere, then it's not true anywhere. So based on that this morning and with this in mind, let's read again in its proper context, Romans 8, 28. Knowing that one, Paul's writing to the church in Rome. Hence why it's called Romans. And I didn't have to do too much study to work that one out. He's writing to a people who are experiencing the anguish of suffering. What you have to understand is that the church in Rome at that time, many of them had been displaced many years before from what they knew and the life that they knew. And he's writing it to them. It's about two or three years before uh, the evil King Emperor, uh, Emperor Nero comes into power. And he started this regime of just killing Christians for sport. So Paul, this is the context in which Paul is writing. It's also Paul himself, uh, uh, after, before writing this scripture, has already had several near-death experiences. He's suffered many beatings. He's been imprisoned and he's had lots of persecution. And Paul writes this in Romans 8, 28, verse, uh, Amos, Romans 8, verses 28 to 30. He says, For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he's also justified. And those whom he justified, he's also glorified. I'm here this morning to remind us 
that the big theme of Romans 8.28 is about our transformation, not our triumph. It's about God doing a work in us rather than God doing a work in our situation and our circumstances. God is wanting to conform us into the image of His Son. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God uses our sufferings to help shape us towards the image of Christ. He, God, in this Romans 8.28 passage, God is concerned about transforming you and I into the image of His Son, not transforming or changing and letting us have triumph over our circumstances. He's saying, no, you know what? Circumstances are there, but I'm going to use them so I can turn you into the image of God. This is what God is wanting to do in us and through us through this passage. You know, the Christian life isn't stagnant. It's not like we begin a relationship with God and then just keep going on our merry way. It's like I invite Jesus in and then Jesus come and be an accessory to my life. Jesus is not an accessory to our life. Jesus is our life. And His main purpose and point is that we would become, as we've read in 2 Corinthians, ever increasing glory. We want to be made more and more into the image of God. And so God wants to use circumstances and situations to bring that about in our life. Our goal isn't to stay the same. Our goal is to be more like Christ. It's it's about moving from glory to glory. And what I love about Romans 8, 28, is this passage is saying, whatever it takes, God will use to shape you and to shape me into the image of His Son. I want you this morning to consider the bee. I read this on the internet when I was looking for some examples. Consider the bee. In its first stage of life, the bee is in a hexagonal cell wherein enough honey is stored for it to eat from until it reaches maturity. The honey and the bee are sealed with a capsule of wax. Once all the honey is gone, it's time for the bee to come out of the cell. The wrestling The struggle and the strain the bee has to do to get out is quite something. It has to remove the wax cap, which isn't easy, and climb out of that cell, which by now is a tight prison. We may be inclined to have pity on the struggling bee and wonder why it must have such a rough time. Yet in the agony of the exit, the bee rubs off the membrane that hid its wings. Once out of the cell and rid of the membrane, the bee is able to fly. There's purpose in the struggling of the bee. And the purpose in the struggling of the bee is to expose the wings that were always there, but the bee was oblivious to. The bee only knew life in a certain context and struggle and strain and working through exposed his greater purpose. And I'm here this morning to let us know that Romans 8.28 is about exposing the greater purpose there is for you and I this morning. Romans 8.28 is about transformation. Each and every one of us have God initiative inside of us. Each and every one of us have God DNA and characteristics. But you know what I've discovered? 
that sometimes those God characteristics don't come to the fore until I'm put in a situation of striving and struggling and like just like the bee, I'm working out of that wax capsule and before I know, I might not have literal wings exposed, but I have a God characteristic of maybe patience or of maybe forgiveness or of long, suffer- of long suffering, of endurance. All these things that are in here that God's placed within me, but I'm just not aware of them until I'm in a situation. I ha- and it's like, bang, just like the, bee, the, wee, the, the, the wings of the bee are exposed. That's what God is wanting to do in your and my life. He's wanting to transform us into the image of Jesus. And the way He does that is using our trials and our um, sufferings. So what I've discovered in my life, and I'm sure I've got many here this morning who would agree with me, transformation sometimes is not easy. I'm sure if you ask the bee and he could speak, he would let you know that he didn't enjoy the process. I'd let you know, he probably let us know that if there was another way, he would choose it. But obviously in God's design, there isn't. So the bee has learned to work with it. And I've discovered that, you know what? I love what God is wanting to do in and through my life. I haven't always loved the way in which he's brought it about. And I just thought this morning, I want to look at Romans 8.28 and just pull out three things that I felt God spoke to me about where God has encouraged me when I've been in the process of transformation and I haven't enjoyed it. Because as we've already discovered, it's a a journey that we're all on. We're all here to be transformed. We're all, because is there anyone brave enough here to say, oh, no, no, Christ is fully formed in me. I, I, no, no. You know, me and God, I could teach Jesus a thing or two. No, there's not one of us who can say that we've arrived. All of us are being transformed. All of us are being worked into the image of God. And so I just want to share some things that have helped me because I found, and maybe it's just me, but I found transformation sometimes is a pain. Transformation sometimes, I'd take anything else other than transformation. And so I just want to share a couple of things with us this morning. Does that sound okay? Excuse me, I just need to take a drink. I'm not like my husband. I won't gurgle it and I won't spit it at you, okay? <clears throat> awesome. So, what? Oh, thank you, God. <laughs> I said the front row. So, plus, I'm not really a good catch, a throw, so it wouldn't make I'd probably wear it myself. All right, so, what do I want to let you know this morning? First thing, when I read Romans 8.28, when we're thinking about transformation and we're in a circumstance and a situation that's not of our choosing, that we're not enjoying, here's what I want us to remember. God is at work. The NIV, I love the NIV translation, it says, and we know that in all things God works. Do you know what I love about that? It's present tense. It's not, hey, God worked it back then, so now you sort it out yourself. It's not, well, when you get here, God will work it out. It's God is working right here, right now. It speaks to me about an ever-presence. It speaks to me about an activity that is ongoing, that God is, is ever-present in that He's actively involved in your life and He's actively involved in my life. He's ceaselessly, energetically and purposefully active on your behalf and on my behalf. The good news is that God is here in the beginning. 
God is here in the end and God is here in between the whole thing. I don't know your situation this morning. Maybe many years ago, you walked down the aisle, you and your husband, I do, was what you said. God was in the I do. Maybe things have gone a little bit pear-shaped, not quite what you thought. You've seen flying saucers, you've seen saucepans, you've seen words being used in wrong contexts. God is in there. And maybe you found yourself at a point where the door has slammed and it's finished. I want you to know God is at work. He's in the beginning. He's at the end. He's in everything in between. Perhaps you're studying. You've done all this work. And in your study, God has been there. You've done your exam and you felt God is there. When you've got your results back, you're like, where was God? I'm here to tell you, God is at work in your situation. The same God that was there in the beginning is the same God who will be there at the end. He's the same God who is here in the middle. We've just got to understand that's the way it works. We um, are having some landscaping done presently at um, our place and the guy did something wrong and he had to come back. And so he was there working on it. And so I was minding my own business, not... And um, every time I came out to offer him a cup of tea, I really I wasn't so much being generous and kind and offering a cup of tea. I was making sure he's doing what I've asked him to do. And so I was getting a little bit nervous because I thought, he's not, he's going to forget this. And so I just said, excuse me, Brad, um, you know, like a cup of tea here. Yeah, great. And I said, um, graciously, look, I, d- I don't want to tell you what to do, but, <laughs> which you know means I'm going to tell you what to do. I said, um, I just want to remind you that you've got to do this little... He said, Kath? He said, I'd love a cup of tea, thank you, which is his way of saying, back off, lady. <laughs> he goes, Kath, I'm not finished yet. And I felt the God word for us this morning is that God's not finished yet. You've got to understand that there is a sign over your circumstances which reads, shh, God's at work. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. But you don't understand. You can't see. This is what doesn't matter. There's a sign over your circumstance this morning that says, shh, God is at work. He was there in the beginning. He's there in the end. He's there every step of the way in between. It reminds me about, you know, when I've... Mum, obviously, and I've got little kids, and maybe you can remember back to when you were a child, but you wake from a nightmare, and you're concerned. What's the first thing you do? You're calling out to Dad. Dad, Dad, had a nightmare. Dad, Dad. And Dad comes running. Dad will come, and he'll sit on the side of your bed. He'll gather you up. He'll give you a hug. Dad's presence brings peace. Here's what we need to remember. The darkness didn't go away. Child, as a child, I received peace and I received comfort. Why? Because my dad presents himself, but it was still dark. Church, we've got to remember, it doesn't matter. Sometimes life has a way of throwing it, making it feel dark. And we can feel like we're in dark, dire circumstances, but we have to understand that God's presence is with us. The dark may not disappear. Your circumstances may not change, but God is 
with you. When you're in the midst of transformation and God is trying to do a work in you to bring about confirmation, uh, conforming you to the image of his son, and we're not liking it, remember God is at work. His presence is with you. The other thing we need to know is not only is God at work, but God is bringing it all together. It says, all things work together. The phrase work together is actually one word in the Greek, and it's the Greek word synergon. And it's from where we get the English word synergy. Synergy, by definition, is what happens when you put two or more elements together to form something brand new that neither could form separately. That synergy, two or more elements together, and they form something brand new that they couldn't form separately. And by example, I've got my nice chocolate cake that I spent hours baking last night. Actually, I shouldn't lie. I'm on the pulpit. Not that I lie anyway. And the fact that the little paper around gives it away, that Woolies prepared this cake earlier for me. But here on the stage, I've got a really nice chocolate cake. But do you know what it takes to make a chocolate cake? I didn't either. Don't worry. I went to Google. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Praise God for the internet. All right. <laughs> chocolate cake. Ingredients of a chocolate cake. I brought with me this morning just some of the ingredients of a chocolate cake. Right here, I've got, this is bicarb soda. I know you all thought it was icing sugar, didn't you? No, flour? Oh, yeah, I know flour and a cake, but I wanted bicarb soda, okay? I've got an egg. Takes an egg to go into the cake. And I've got cocoa. These are just some. Yes, there's eggs, uh, the milk, and there's butter, and there's flour. There's many other um, ingredients that go into the cake. But for my example this morning, all right? Ingredients that by themselves cannot create this masterpiece chocolate mud cake. Actually, ingredients that by themselves, some of them are rather gross. Have you ever tried baking soda? Don't. Okay? I remember, see, my mum was a baker. It is one of the disappointments of her life in me that I am not. It just didn't rub off. All right? I just use the analogy, just because I can doesn't mean I should. The truth is I can't, so I don't. <laughs> so I remember coming home from school and my mum would bake and um, we had, you know, you got all the Tupperware containers and my mum obviously knew what was in the Tupperware containers. I didn't know. But if you know your mum's baking and you come home and there's white powder in a Tupperware container, instantly, as a kid, you go, icing sugar. So you, you just dive to the top drawer. You get the biggest dessert spoon you can. You shove that dessert spoon in that icing sugar and then you shove that icing sugar in your gob. Do you know what else baking soda is used for? A cleaning product. You add baking soda to water, it makes a really nice paste that can get mould off the bathroom. Well, apparently I have mould in my mouth. <laughs> I went, came home one day, saw this, what I perceived to be icing sugar, got a massive spoonful, shoved it in my mouth and then almost gagged on this concoction of clag. Remember clag glue? It was like a clag glue coming out. The point being... The baking soda is disgusting individually, but you know what? This mud cake 
wouldn't taste as nice as it does if it didn't have the ingredient of baking soda in it. And do you know what? That's how we have to look at life. There are things that happen in our life that, you know what, I'd rather not experience. I would rather not have. But the Word says in Romans 8, 28, that God is bringing it together. And that together in the synergy of all these ingredients, make up, turn something beautiful like this chocolate cake. And sometimes we get to that point where we just we look and think and say, but you know, I don't like this situation. I'm not enjoying this. And I'm not saying you're to be here that you have to like it or enjoy it. I'm just saying that without that ingredient, you won't get the benefit of what's going to. God is working it together for good. He's bringing it together. Almost everything that goes into that chocolate cake by itself tastes foul. Almost everything. And yet the cake at the end is a wonderful masterpiece. And here's what we've got to remember. If we judge the cake by the individual ingredients, we're going to miss out on something. And many of us are judging the cake being our life and where it sits at the moment by the individual ingredients and calling it awful and yucky and it's not nice. And I agree with you, the situation you're presently in or working may not be nice, but you can't judge the end by the simple ingredient. It's an ingredient need to have a mindset shift which says, I'm going to look at this thing that I'm going through, this circumstance, this situation I find myself in and say, it's an ingredient of what God is trying to bring together in my life. And I've got to make sure that I'm not projecting the ingredient onto the end product. If I tasted the bicarb soda and had left the imprint that that's what the chocolate cake tastes like, I would never partake in the chocolate cake. But the problem is that when they combine together, we know the beauty of the chocolate cake and it's the perspective you and I need to have. It's what Paul is saying in Romans 8.28. Yes, your circumstance isn't enviable. Yes, your circumstance isn't what you would like it to be. Yes, your circumstance, would you'd rather it be something else. But you know, don't look at your circumstance as being your end life product. Look at your circumstance as it's an ingredient for where God can come and work it together for good and He can make the right amount of ingredients. He can mix it together. He can bake it and He can produce a mud cake out of your life. Amen? Amen. Don't look at the individual ingredients, but judge the cake by the end result and say, you know what, God, it's not of my choosing, not of my like, not of my desire, not how I would want it to be. But God, I understand that you are bringing it all together. This trial, these circumstances, we don't like them, but the finished product is sweet to taste. I shared with you in terms of Tony and some of the journey that we've been through, and there've been some ingredients in this journey that I would, if given the option, would have let pass by. Kind of like a smorgasbord. No, I'm not picking that one up today, Lord. No, I'm not taking that one. But I haven't had an opportunity or the choice to be able to do that. There's been some things that have been thrust on us as a church over the last six months that if given the choice, we wouldn't have chosen them. But we didn't have a choice. That's just their ingredients of life. But here's what I will say. Through the tests and through the trials, 
and through the things that have, we've had to cover as a, or work together as a family or as a husband and wife and Tony individually, myself individually, of all those things that I wouldn't say, yes, Lord, you please pick me, let me do it again. But I can honestly say when I've allowed God to bring it together, it's produced something sweet, not only in my life, but in the life of this church. When I look around and I see the love that the people in this church have now on a deeper level for one another because God has used a situation and a circumstance and we've allowed it to bring it to good. When I see the compassion, there are things that are outworked in our corporateness now that if it wasn't for some of these ingredients, we wouldn't have the cake and the result of those. So there's a love, there's an acceptance, there's an opportunity that we have. I'll never forget Pastor Danny when Tony first came out of hospital with the blood infection. We had some pastors around for lunch and he said, Kath, this is what I feel God say to you and Tony. He said, God is saying that because you can, the church feel they can. You know what? My because you can were ingredients that weren't nice at the time. They were kind of like the baking soda had you gagging at some of those reflections. But the cake of, you know what? The church feel because you and Tony have shown you can handle whatever life throws at you. They feel they can handle whatever life throws at them. My cake is sweet. The ingredients weren't great, but the cake is sweet. So whatever it is that you are facing this morning, whatever it is you are going through, that God is working in your life, that He's wanting to transform you, whatever situation you find yourself, can I remind you, don't focus on the individual ingredient, but just trust that God is not only at work in your situation, but He's bringing it all together. Don't judge the cake by the individual ingredient. And the third thing I want to remind us of is that it's God's good. Romans 8, 28, for we know that God works all things together for the good. Whenever I'm struggling with the transformation that, you know, God's trying to work something in me and I'm struggling with it, I had a revelation. The reason I'm struggling is I have a different interpretation of good than God does. And I don't think I'm alone. I'm pretty sure I could say that about humankind. We have a different interpretation of good than God does. You see, to me, good can mean health, happiness, good relationships, long life, more money, food on the table, good job, a nice home, a husband, a kids, whatever it is you're thinking right now. When I say the word good, whatever pops to your mind, that's our interpretation of good. We think good is a better set of circumstances. But here's, what, here's the kicker. is God is not committed to me and to you for our happiness or our comfort. God's commitment to you and I is to transform us to the image of His Son. And God will use whatever, whatever it takes to do that. And what He uses, He calls Good. Anything, anything that makes you more like Christ, God says it's good. And so if you're in a situation where somebody has hurt you and you know that you've got to display forgiveness, 
God says, you know that situation? It's good. He didn't say what they did to you is good. He said the situation is good because why? Because it's forming in you a robustness of Christ. It's forming in you the opportunity to display forgiveness. It's forming in you a Christ-likeness. No, I'm not saying what they did is good. I'm just saying what's working in you is good. This situation that is doing something in you, it's forming you to be more like Christ. It's good. If you find yourself in a situation where you just want to run, Look, I'm over this. I'm not done. I'm not hanging around. I don't want to. And you find the strength in God to keep your eyes on Him and say, Lord, no matter what, this is what I'm doing. And it produces an endurance in you. It produces a patience in you to be able to say, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to run. I know that everybody's sidled up alongside me and said, oh, you should do this. You should do that. You know, and under God, this situation I'm standing in, God says, it's good. Is he saying the situation that's happening to you is good? No. What he's saying is what is happening in you. Christ formation is good. You can't say that Christ dying on the cross was good. I'm sure Jesus wouldn't say it's good, but what was happening for him is good. The crucifixion itself, not good. What it brought about, good. And what's all we've got to understand when we're talking about God working all things together for good? It's God's good. It's God in you, the formation of Christ. The sad reality for many of us is that more often than not, we learn more in the hours of darkness than in years of light. We gain more from sickness than decades of good health. And we pray more when we are scared than when we're confident. The good Paul is talking about is not to make us necessarily healthy or happy, but it's to make us more like Christ. Can the band come up and join me? We're going to just close in a moment. Romans eight twenty-eight says, For we know, can you say it with me? For we know. I just went blank. (laughs) For we know that God works all things together for good for those who love Him. Let's say it again. For we know that God works all things together for good for those who love Him. For we know that God works all things together for good for those who love Him. You know what? The next time, church, you are going through a trial, remember this. God is ever present and always, always at work. He was there in the beginning He's there in the end. He's there every step in between. Just like a child calling out to his dad in the dark, the darkness will still be there. There's no guarantee that your circumstances change. It's not about your triumph. It's about your transformation. So even though the darkness may still be there, God's presence brings peace. God is also ever-present and bringing it all together. Next time you're struggling with your transformation, remember God is with you, He's at work, and He's bringing it all together, just like 
our chocolate cake. Some of those ingredients by themselves taste awful. This is not denying the awful taste that some of the situations and circumstances we find ourselves in leave. But what it's saying is to concentrate and focus on those, we miss out on the sweet taste of what God is working ultimately. Ingredients by themselves taste awful, but together they are sweet. Stop judging the whole cake. Stop judging your whole life by individual ingredients. And when next time you're going through a trial and you are struggling with your transformation, won't you remember God is ever-present and bringing about His good, which is transforming you and transforming me more and more into the glory of God. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 